Hey, what's up, everybody? I am John Ricard. This is Camera Work Podcast. And before I say anything, let me just really take a second to thank you guys for listening to the podcast or watching it on iTunes, because I am very conscious of the fact that you have a lot of choices to listen to. I mean, you've got a million videos on YouTube and Apple Music is like 10 bucks a month. You get every album known to man. And if you choose to listen to this instead of Joe Rogan or the Walking Dead podcast or whatever, that is really cool. And like, I'm honored and I take that responsibility seriously and I try to make this worth your listening to. Okay, so thank you for that. If you want to find me, it's John Ricard on Instagram, J-O-H-N-R-I-C-A-R-D. Now we have a guest today, which is cool because I love when we have a guest. And the guest is my friend, Mitch Jackson. What's up, Mitch? What's happening? Right. Now, Mitch is an author. I met Mitch because we both used to work for Smooth Magazine, right? Yeah. We would shoot this piece. We would work together on a piece. It was one of the favorite things I've ever shot in my career. It was a piece called Can I Live? Yeah. Where? Well, why don't you describe it? What was Can I Live? It was like eight pages. So Can I Live was, was uh, uh, basically a document, documentation of an artist's day or a, a few days. We would go to wherever they were, usually their hometown. Um, go to their home, film whatever they had to do that day, um, and just hang out and try to uh, find out who they were right. as much as they would let us know. Right. And it was fun because for me it was like documentary style photography yeah. and trying to kind of stay out the way and just document what was happening in the course of their day. Yeah. And then we got to travel to a whole bunch of states, right? Yeah. And we did Slim Thug in Texas and we did the game in L.A. Yeah. And we did like. Chile, I think in North Carolina, we did Atlanta, we did, we did Dwelle in North Carolina, North Carolina, yeah, we did a whole bunch of Chicago stuff, yeah, so it was, it was like a lot of fun, and it would run as like an eight-page spread, which yeah. I loved, it was, again, one of my favorite things that I've ever shot, and I still have some pictures from that on my site, but it was funny, because a lot of times it would go wrong, yeah. and then we'd be sitting in a hotel for like five <laughs> hours, and like, I don't believe this guy is not gonna like yeah. call us, or let us, give us access to the artist, or whatever, it would drive no, us crazy No, remember when sometimes. we went to um, Denver, and the guy was trying to shake us when we got at the airport, <laughs> yeah, and we yeah. pulled up on him, like, hey, you, you do know we're following you right now. Right. That thing where you go, like, we're gonna be in the car behind you, and he acts like, like, like it's a, like I don't know, a Jason racer. Bourne movie, and he's trying to escape us. And I'm like, what are you doing, man? My other favorite, I don't know if we should name the artist, but mm -hmm. we had an artist, and we were trying to find an activity, and you were like, well, why doesn't he go to the mall? Like, he could, like, buy sneakers or whatever. And they were like, oh. He'll be mobbed. Yeah, he'll be mobbed. He can't go to the mall. And we had nothing else for them to do. We went to the mob. Not one person said one thing to this fool. No, no. The person in Foot Locker was like, is that? Uh? He was like, yeah, yeah, that's me. That's me. That's me. That's yeah, one me. person. That's it. So silly. But in any event, um, the cool thing about Mitch is when we would be like on these long drives or hotel trips and stuff like that, Mitch would say like, I'm, I'm going to do a documentary. I'm going to work on this documentary. Mm -hmm. And it, it never really like meant anything to me. I didn't mm -hmm. really process it mm -hmm. properly. I didn't really understand it. But what you went on to do is to write a book, right? Mm -hmm. What year did the book come out? 2013. 2013. And when I try to explain it to people that like you wrote a book, I always say like you wrote a real book. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean, it wasn't a book that like you walk on 8th Avenue in Manhattan and they're selling it on the street for $10. Right. It's not like that. It's a book that was reviewed by the New York Times and it won an award very recently, right? What uh -huh. was the award? That uh, one that the I went to? Right. Yeah. The Whiting was like a, a kind of like a grant I think they gave you yeah. and an award, a Whiting Award it's called. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a real book that got reviewed and like 
when you read it, like I found it difficult to read. I enjoyed it, but I had to read it twice to really understand it because all of the sentences were like long and kind of elaborately mm. constructed. Yeah. And it wasn't a book that you could uh, summarize in a short way because in one sense, not a lot happens. It's not a book of like, oh, well, it's about a drug dealer and mm. then like, uh, you know, he gets kidnapped and he's right. got to escape before midnight. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. It didn't have a plot like that. It's more like <laughs> writing and it's about the relationship between this guy who's a drug dealer, relationship with him and his girlfriend, and his relationship with his mother, mm. who is a drug addict. Is that a fair yes. description of the book? Very fair. Right. So um, I enjoyed it a lot. Like I said, I actually read it twice, mm. and um, I've recommended it to people and stuff like that. And I saw someone reading it on a train one time, and I like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah I, I took a picture. Yeah. I'm like, that that's like great. so cool. I'm like, my name's in that book, you know. So <laughs> it was cool, but. In any event, the, the reason that I wanted you on the podcast is because I think what you're doing now is very interesting, right? So you're mm. working on your second book, which I think is a collection of essays. Is that right? Yeah, we're, uh, oh, no, it's not the essays anymore. Nonfiction narrative. No, they're, they're, we're just calling it nonfiction. Narrative nonfiction. Okay. So they're, instead of essays, they're called chapters. Right. And yes. tell, just, you know, what is the book about that so you're working on now? It's called Survival Math, and it is about, um, I, I, I don't want to say use, but um, I'm employing members, the stories, the intimate stories of members of my family, struggles really, um, to speak to larger issues in, uh, in the community, but really larger issues in, in, in I guess, the country. Um, so I'll take like an uncle who's uh, spending life in the penitentiary and use that use his story to talk about um, incarceration. I'll I'll t talk about my mother's struggle with um, addiction, and use that to talk about um, you know the struggle of addiction at large. So um, I'm trying to take the personal and 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 by really uh, honing in on not only what's happening to them but the context of how it how I imagine it came to be. Um, speak to something larger than them. Right. And I know I, you had an interesting uh, thing you mentioned one time. I don't know if it was an interview or whatever that I saw it, but you were talking about some of the issues you had with your mom where you were telling a little bit of her story in the fiction book, The Residue Years. Yeah. And, you know, your mom's kind of like, hey, that's my story. And right. then your response is like, hey, it's my story too. Yeah. Because it affected me. You're right. my mom. So, but I think that's kind of what you're doing again now is yeah. like, their story, how that affects you, how it just affects the community, period. Yeah. And um, you always have like Oregon as Portland, rather, is kind of a little bit of a focus of uh, absolutely what you write. Focus. Yeah. Right, which is cool. But the, the thing that I find interesting is this, and this is what I would really want to communicate to photographers, which is the primary audience for this podcast. Mm -hmm. Because, see, I think there's been a huge change in just the world for photographers in the last 10 years. Because mm -hmm. this, the way it used to work before was like, Someone had an idea for a picture. Now that could be something complicated, like them going like, you know, here's a model, she's wearing the latest fashion and she's in Africa and she's near an elephant. It could be something really complicated right. or it could just be something as simple as like, we signed an artist and we need a picture of him signing the contract. Mm. But the problem was nobody could take that picture. Right. Like it would be like a bunch of like the apes at the beginning of 2001 looking at the <laughs> obelisk and, you know, they get the bones and they don't even know that they can use this as a weapon. They right. don't know. Everybody's looking at a camera like, how do you work this? And you as a photographer, or in this case, me, mm -hmm. could come in and work in a camera was simple. Right. And I made a ton of money on some really simple shots. Like mm -hmm. I've shot people signing contracts, you know, $500 on their half an hour. It's fantastic. Right. 
but the difference today is the technical part of photography has dropped off for a lot of types of shooting. Mm -hmm. And whoever has the idea, they might need a photographer to make that idea tangible. Yeah. But depending on what the idea <clears throat> is, they might not. Mm. Depends. And that's a big difference for a photographer. So as a photographer, you need to not just be the person who can technically bring Mitch's idea to life. You need to be that because there's times Mitch is going to have an idea and he can't bring it to life. Mm -hmm. But you also need to be the person who can um, come up with an idea on your own. Right. And I feel like 10 years ago, yeah, it would have been good if you could do that. But mm -hmm. even if you couldn't, you could still make a living and get a lot of jobs. It's right. a big change. So what you see today is so you had an idea of how to do the visuals for the new book. Right. Correct. What is the book called, by the way, the next Survival book? Math. Okay, Survival Math. So what was the idea for the photography for the book? Well, it, 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 it was born out of um, a few years ago when they had the previous spate of uh, police shootings. So I'm talking about the Mike Brown um, and, and, you know, the Trayvon Martin, that, that era, not this recent one. And um, and people were saying, you know, he had a hood on, hoodie on, and he looked dangerous, and and I wanted to try to figure out how I could challenge that. Mm -hmm. And me being a black man and having men in my family who are obviously black, um, I thought, well, well, what can I do with them that right. could challenge that idea of what's a dangerous man look like? And then so right. I decided to shoot uh, members of my family and decontextualize them as much as I could. So I wanted to remove their earrings and you know, take off their necklaces and their glasses and just basically have them as naked as I could right. in front of the camera. And you visualize the pictures being how? What would color, black and white? Yeah, what? well, I also wanted to, to, to use black and white because, again, I wanted to take all the context okay. away. So we wanted to get black and white. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. I'm just trying to make people understand how clear your vision was. Yeah. So you also wanted the pictures to be close. Right. You didn't want Very the pictures close. to be the body no. or full length or the person in their environment. All I wanted was their face. Just the face against a white background. Yes. And it would be black and white. And mm -hmm. the expression would be kind of, let's say, deadpan, kind of yeah. flat, kind of straight to the camera. Yeah. And you had an idea for the lighting that it would be kind of like a ring light. Where well, you helped me with the lighting. I'd, right. I helped JK. At yes. least I got some credit here. Yeah, yeah, doing, definitely. At least I did something here yes. because this is really the bigger point that I'm trying to make. <clears throat> but once you came up with the vision, mm -hmm. so here, I mean, here's a book for people who watch this on YouTube, because remember, we're on iTunes and YouTube. So I keep the podcast as an audio thing, but occasionally there's just a little bit of video mm -hmm. element to it. But don't worry about that if you're not seeing it so i'm holding a book of polaroids okay this is a book of polaroids of people of people from mitch's family that he talked about okay so you can see all of these different pictures that fit that description that we talked about right but the interesting thing is all of the polaroids were taken by mitch okay i didn't shoot these these mm -hmm. were all taken by mitch he went to portland oregon right how many people did you photograph there uh 16 people Right, 16 people that Mitch photographed. Yeah. And to me, that's a huge change because at the point where you come up with the idea, mm -hmm. you might, but you might not need a photographer to shoot it. Mm -hmm. Because the key today is the idea. Because once you have the idea, you can shoot it. And like you said, there was a day where I sat with you and we kind of used a ring light and yeah. we experimented a bit. And I kind of said to you, hey, you know, put the ring light here. Mm -hmm. And I gave you a few tips like once you fit, because a Polaroid is a very tricky camera right. to work, correct? Yeah. But I said things like, um, 
like once you figure out what works, like say the light five feet from the person mm -hmm. and you two feet away, do that for everybody. Yeah. And it can, the exposure will basically be consistent. Yeah. Don't mix it up. You know, little tips I gave you, I recommended what ring light to get, whatever. Mm -hmm. But in all honesty, uh, you could probably spent a few hours on YouTube and figured this out, mm -hmm. you know, or emailed some people or something. Mm -hmm. The point just being that the key is the, the vision, not the technical ability, because mm -hmm. You had the vision, and you went out and shot the thing yourself. Yeah. Well, I mean, shooting Polaroid helped a lot. Like, I, don't, I couldn't right. have done that with your Nikon. I, in a way, you could have, though, because, like, my Nikon will do something called bracketing, right, mm -hmm. where I can, I, I can tell the camera to take seven exposures, mm -hmm. and each one is slightly different, a little brighter, a little darker. Mm -hmm. And my D3S shoots 11 frames a second, so mm -hmm. I can shoot seven frames in under one second, mm -hmm. all at a different exposure. Mm -hmm. So if you put that on auto bracketing program, you just go brap, seven shots, mm -hmm. one of them will have the perfect exposure even if you don't know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So in reality, you could have done it on the Nikon, and mm -hmm. the Polaroid in some ways is actually harder because you have less control over the camera, right? You had a lot of hit and miss with the Polaroid, yeah. correct? Yeah. Right? Lots of hit and miss. <laughs> right, Lots a lot of, of money. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at the film like, how much did you spend on this, man? You know, like, but it's I just $24 think- $24 a pack. Yeah, it's high, right? It's, it's over a dollar a shot, right? Yeah. It's not 24 for eight, it's 24 for 16. It's 24 for, what is eight? Wow. Yeah. Wow, because, you know, my daughter has, um, I got my daughter the Fuji Polaroid thing, mm -hmm. the Instax. I got her the, first she had the Mini, which is a great thing to get your kid. And mm -hmm. then I got her the Wide, which is even nicer because the pictures are bigger. But those are about a dollar a shot. So mm -hmm. those aren't that bad. But, um, but again, I just really want to drive that point home to people. Like, as a photographer, what you need to be doing today is coming up with ideas and get out there and shoot them. And I think for me... My biggest problem is I don't do enough of what you do. Mm -hmm. Like I don't do enough of those like personal projects where I'm like driven to, oh, I've got to shoot my family in this manner and tell yeah. this story through my pictures or through my words. I don't get that drive enough, man. I don't mm -hmm. know why, but I think that's. Well, I, I feel like you've been I doing know. a lot more of that. I mean, this is, you know. I mean, the podcast, the the uh, the thing you were shooting with the with the writers and the day in the life and doing the video so I yeah, think you're doing like, a lot I of do it, it in a way I do it but in a way I don't I don't I think I don't work hard enough at it maybe mm. is the thing I don't think I work hard enough at it like I did just start like a new Instagram account it's mm. Rick in action R I C in action and like that's all jujitsu pictures mm. that's an example of kind of like an extended story yeah because I have a vision for how jujitsu should be photographed and mm. there's a story that I'm telling about these guys who are competing in jujitsu mm. either at the academy or on tournaments that's kind of like a personal project kind of an extended personal project but I don't know, maybe I just think like what I'm doing is not that important in a way. You know, you're like, I'm gonna document the story of like yeah, yeah. Ari Portland and I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna take pictures of guys doing jujitsu. It just doesn't sound as yeah. important, but I think that's one of my, uh, you know, problems, whatever. But you know what I think is funny about the Polaroid thing? Like, I think a lot of times as photographers, sometimes we feel like our photography is devalued because mm -hmm. like no one cares and like, if you're like the professional, what'll happen sometimes is like you could be somewhere, like even a family thing, and you're mm -hmm. taking a picture with your real camera, mm -hmm. and everyone shoots it with their phone, and right. they don't even care to get you a professional picture because right. they just figure their phone picture is good enough. Yeah. And you feel what you do is devalued, but I'm gonna tell you how to get your photography valued. Okay. Ready for this? Yeah. Shoot Polaroids. 
And the reason is, yeah. like, again, my daughter has this Polaroid camera, which mm-hmm. I've got to twist her arm to make her take any pictures with it. Yeah. But she took it to the family barbecue on the 4th of July the other day, mm-hmm. and she's taking some family pictures with it, and everybody is fighting over the pictures because they mm-hmm. all want the prints. Yeah. And I'm constantly saying to her, like, like, go grab the Polaroids. Like, go put them away because yeah. everybody's just taking them, yeah. you know? And it's like people just see the picture and are like, I'm keeping this. You're not getting it back. Like, yeah. this is my picture now. Like, and if it's like her aunt, she's 11. If yeah. her aunt goes, this is my picture now. <laughs> you know? She's not in a position to really fight it. And yeah. I'm at my wife's family house. I can't fight it. I'm trying to get, like, free food and not look too tacky. Just coming yeah. in and getting a lot of food and leaving, whatever, you know. So, But it was just so funny. At one point, she was walking with the stack of Polaroids. And she literally had, like, six kids following her, yeah. wanting to see the Polaroids and asking if they could have them. Well, so, it's new. No one's doing it. Nobody has prints. Well, they, like, right. They, they have the app. But it's a different thing to have, yeah, like, yeah. the physical. To have that physical print in your hand. And I'll yeah. tell her to have like the people sign them or exactly. write something that on it. That was another thing you told thing. me when I, I had, you see, noticed yeah. I had all the guys sign right. and date the day that they shot. Yeah. So that's, that yeah, you get that thing. character to it. Like, yeah. cause it's a one of a kind thing. There's only one copy of that. Yeah. So I think that's a kind of cool way to value photography a bit. But yeah. I remember even in the old days, I would shoot Polaroids occasionally to test the exposure on the camera. Mm-hmm. You'd have a Polaroid back. So the Polaroid would look a lot like the real picture. It wasn't mm-hmm. a separate camera just a film back and then the stylist would come up to you and go oh i need a polaroid of every look you're like these are dollar each like i don't yeah. have a polaroid for you <laughs> i can't stand there and give you my polaroids like yeah. i want them for my own little thing but you'd end up with that same thing everybody would be like fighting over the polaroids yeah. you know so even back then but if no one is valuing your work today buy a polaroid and yeah. You can get your work valued. Just $400 impossible <laughs> project. Yeah, it's impossible to afford. That's what I call it. Yeah, <laughs> That's that the too. problem with it, you know. But again, I do think it's interesting that you have become a photographer mm. in, the, in a way. You know what I'm saying? That because you're using the camera to tell the story. Your mm. focus is on the story that yeah. you're trying to tell, not the tool. Yeah. And I think some people like myself, we got into photography, maybe not because we were trying to tell a story, but because we wanted to play with cameras. Mm-hmm. And then we're struggling sometimes to tell a story. Mm-hmm. And I'm just being honest for myself. And mm-hmm. I see it with other guys where you're looking at their Instagram and you're like, you have nothing to say. Mm-hmm. It's just some pretty pictures, but you're not really saying anything. Yeah. And I've said all the time, I've said on this thing a million times, <laughs> some of the most interesting Instagrams that I see are from fashion stylists mm. because they're looking at the world with a certain eye which yeah. is fashion and they're shooting the fashion yeah. they're not shooting the girl or the guy or the artist or the model mm. they're shooting the fashion and they're telling a story through their pictures and the camera's just a tool which is like what you're doing um, you know? last week I uh, was out to dinner with some people from Ted and one of them was this uh, neuroscientist and we got we started talking about um, value and he was saying how value is really just a narrative that people tell a story and then it builds a certain mm-hmm. value in something that we kind of mistake for being intrinsic, but it's not like diamonds aren't necessarily valuable. It's right. the story that we've told ourselves about diamonds right. and where we've they made come from believe it. that yeah. makes them valuable. So it's kind of the same thing when you're, when you have a story that you're trying to tell, right. then it makes the art more valuable. Right. You did something like a Ted, what did you do with Ted? You yeah, did I did a something. Ted talk. Um, I don't know if when it's going to come out or if it's going to come out, but I did a TED Talk and I'm a TED Fellow. Right. So, uh, what was the topic sense, of your talk? My topic was on blackness and whiteness. Okay. Um, and, and trying to, uh, I said that we should, 
revision the idea of what is blackness and what is whiteness because okay. I said that like even now when when the, when the shootings happen everyone right. started saying well you know it's black lives matter and the white police doing this right. but every time one of us says I'm a black person or I'm a white person or right. whites do this it's, divi- it's divisive yeah it's horrible right now yeah. yeah I said to you today I said uh, like on Facebook at mm-hmm. least I hate all my black friends and I hate all my white <laughs> friends because everybody's wrong. Yeah. Everything everybody writes just annoys me. Because they start from a point of, of being divided. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. The, the, well, they got to treat black people like this and why right. are they attacking it? Right. And then the moment you well, say it, like you're just creating right. well, the comparisons, is The comparisons would always drives me crazy. Like, the comparisons never make sense to me. Mm-hmm. It's always like, like, Bill Cosby did this and these cops did that and mm-hmm. why is this in jail and yeah. that? And, I, and you just go, you, these are like, totally different things and yeah. everybody's comparing things and it um it drives me crazy though but um i haven't seen your ted talk you said it's not out still. yeah it's not live i don't know what they're yeah. when they you know it's, it's up to them right. to release when it. They do it did you see the parody of the ted talks it is the funniest no video. i haven't somebody did like a parody of like every ted talk you've ever seen uh-huh. <laughs> and it's like the narrative and the guy's like and now i'm gonna rub my hands together and look very thoughtful and, yeah. they go like, and now i'm gonna show like some meaningless statistics and yeah. then i'm gonna say to you now like if everyone in this room did such and such yeah. imagine what would happen <laughs> now multiply that by the world and it's so funny because it hits yeah. ted right on the nose but i did see an interesting ted talk myself which mm-hmm. made a point that i thought was kind of interesting it was a skateboarder named rodney mullen who's mm-hmm. my personal favorite skateboarder for a number of reasons that aren't important right now but what he was saying was that and to me it was fascinating he was saying that when a skateboarder does a trick Mm -hmm. and makes a video right he does a trick that's never been done before Mm -hmm. instantly within two weeks other kids put up videos of them doing that trick mm-hmm. or raising the bar even higher. Right. Says, so, you know, you make this video and then your friend comes up to you like, hey, dude, you know, look on YouTube. Like, here's yeah. a kid in Australia doing your trick yeah. two weeks later. But before that, no one did it. He says, what happens is when the one person does it, it lets you know it can be it's done. It's possible, yeah. It's possible. Hey, it is possible to do a 720 mm-hmm. or a kick flip off the back of a truck or down yeah. a flight of stairs or whatever the trick would be. Mm-hmm. And what I thought was interesting about it is I think like maybe sometimes we see somebody do something and we think that person is special. So we go like, oh, he can write a book. So we go like, yeah, yeah, man, my friend Mitch, he can write a book that gets reviewed by the New York Times because, man, he's fucking brilliant. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're thinking. Like, yeah, man, he's just good with words. Mm -hmm. But we're not thinking like it's possible for someone to write a book. Mm. It's not, it's possible for all of us to write a book. I don't mm. know if we always see it that way because mm. we look at the person as being so special. Yeah. But he's trying to say with the skateboarding thing, like you say, once you put a video up of, of somebody doing a, uh, you know, whatever, a 720, mm. all the kids get the message a 720 can be done. Right. And now they start doing 720s and a mm. bar just gets raised, you know? Yeah. So it made me think, you know, a little differently about, like I said, well, you know, well, I think that you works know, in a in a in a skateboarding world where the it's like democratized. Like you don't have to go to pro skateboarding school to be a pro skateboarder. You just have to be good at it. But in right. certain areas, they put enough. Um, you got to be vetted 
so you so yeah. the chances of you being able to do such and such without training would be different. Yeah. Like you could just go yeah. out and start riding your skateboard and watch a bunch of YouTube videos. Right. But you're probably not going to make the NBA without yeah. some coaching. Yeah, without someone selecting you or choosing you and, and teaching guiding you, you giving and you the craft. You. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, some things I think that will work for. Like yeah. it can be done, but you're right. not gonna be LeBron. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean there are some special people without yeah. a doubt who are in that other category, but I think like I said, I think sometimes we got to look at it like that. Like it's po- like it's like possible. if you see a photographer with like eighty thousand Twitter followers, mm-hmm. you don't have to just go, man, that guy. No, you could go. It is possible yeah. for a How photographer. Did he do that? Like I can do it too. If he did it, we could all do it. Yeah. You know, it's like the seven twenty in skateboarding. You know, so I thought it was interesting. Well, I got to look for your uh, TED talk somewhere. But yeah. um, are you planning on doing a video? Because you did a video, right? Yeah. Which I did a little bit with I'm you. Going the, uh, to residue do, years uh, video. I don't know if we call it a mini doc, but it's, there'll be a video component to the installation. I'm going to make right. these Polaroids into posters. Um, right. And I'm also going to get mm-hmm. someone, I don't know if I should be telling my whole idea, but uh, I'm going to get someone mm-hmm. to take the quotes from some of the guys when I interview right. them and make mm-hmm. posters of just the quotes. Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah. Like some, some graphic stuff. Right. Um, that's cool. Let me see one of the ones we liked from this. Oh, the liked ones are in a book. Uh, Just yeah, pass me something you like halfway one. decent. Right. Anyway, this is one. See, so, so today I did get to shoot something for this project. <laughs> this one. So I did Mitch's pictures today with the Polaroid, right? But we did a lot. I mean, we did like what, about three or four packs of film, yeah, right? Yeah, we did 32 32, pictures. yeah, which... You know, in digital, that would be nothing. But right. with these, you know, you're kind of valuing every shot, and we would yeah. look at it and kind they of are. calibrate. They're, they're three to four, $3 <laughs> a shot. $3 each, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe if the book does well, you could sell them. You know, you yeah. could sell, like, the original Polaroid. <laughs> Get your $3 back yeah. at least, you know, $3 each autographed Polaroid, you know. Exactly. But that was cool, though. So at least I got to shoot something, like, associated with it. So yeah. hopefully that'll be the cover or something like that. Appreciate that it. would be cool, you know. That would be cool. All right. Anyway, um, we're going to sign out there. But, um. Thank you, and I wish you the best of luck. Yeah. And I think it's fantastic the way you, again, have that vision mm-hmm. to, like, I want to tell this story, and I'm going to tell it in a book, yeah. or I'm going to tell it in a video, because, again, there was a, a video you did. And there the will be one years. for this one. Right, you want to do a video for this one, and mm-hmm. you've already done the pictures for it. So I think that's cool, like I said, and I look at what you're doing, and it makes me say, man, I got to find a story that's that I care about a lot or that's really important and try to tell that story rather than again, waiting for someone to call me and go, Hey, we've got a story. Come take pictures of it for us. Content creators. Yeah. That's what you have to be. And like you say, in some sense I do it on Instagram. I do it here on a podcast, but I I look at what you're doing and I'm like, damn, I gotta do more. I gotta do more. So anyway, so thank you for being inspiring. All All right. right. All right. Thank you. Uh, where do they find you? What's the best way to find you? Uh, uh, probably uh, Facebook or Instagram. I'm Mitch, M-I-T-C-H-S Jackson. Mitch S. Jackson, I think, on Instagram and Facebook. Right. Or my website. Right. Okay. And you can find me again on Instagram, J-O-H-N-R-I-C-A-R-D. Thank you guys for listening, and um, we will see you really soon, hopefully weekly, trying to get this thing to be weekly. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.